0: Today, I'm joined in the Reading Corner by the one and only Liz Pichon. Unbelievably, it's the 10th year anniversary since the publication of the first book in the Tom Gates series, The Brilliant World of Tom Gates. Now, 10 years on, Tom is featuring, I think, in his 19th story, uh, Tom Gates' Random Acts of Fun. I've been looking forward to talking to Liz today about why Tom has proved to be so popular with children so thank you for taking the time to join me today Liz it's a pleasure before we do get into Tom I just want to say that I remember when you were mainly a picture book illustrator I wonder if you can take us back to when you made that transition because now we think of you mainly as a creator of middle grade stories
1: I was was actually a graphic designer. I was not a very good graphic designer. So I was always sort of doing bits of illustration, you know, a little bit here, a bit there. But I think my graphic design background helped a lot with text, you know, like being able to do that. So the idea was I always wanted to get my images onto different surfaces. So I used to print t-shirts up myself and do market stalls. Then I did lots of greeting cards for a while. And the greeting cards were a really great training ground actually, because you're working on characters and you're having to try and be funny as well. And it was when I was doing greeting cards, that I started to get people asking publishers, asking me to do, you know, baby board books and, you know, cats and dogs and things, because i had done all that. And I really didn't have um any inkling that i would write books at all but i started to be asked to illustrate other people's books and that really started to make me think that if i'm going to spend this much time creating books and you know I, I should really have a go at making my own stories and i didn't have a style you know i didn't really know what i was doing but i had a couple of books that did okay and one of them won what was then the smarties book prize and actually when i look back at it it's very much a sort of precursor to tom and his world because it was My big brother, Boris. Yes. (laughs) You know, he was a big crocodile. He had a little croc who used to annoy him all the time. And so Boris was a little bit like Delia, I suppose. And it was about family life. So it was the first time I started putting things in the books that were very kind of based on stuff that I'd done, you know, when I was with my family and I was pulling things out, things that made me laugh. And that's when I thought, well, okay, maybe I should have a go at writing, you know, another type of scrapbook type of book. So Tom actually started off as a picture book and the publishers, you know, liked my drawings, they liked the format, but they didn't think it was enough story. So it took me about a couple of years to actually work out a voice, the characters and how I was going to present it. And I ended up doing it in an exercise book and imagining that Tom was in his class writing about a terrible summer holiday that he'd had, and he was going to call it camping sucks. And I, thought okay well if I'm going to do a book for older children then I'm going to put all the things in this book that I absolutely used to love when I was a kid so I wanted to put sort of music and how to make things and comics I was very influenced by and I wanted to use the same sort of techniques that we do with picture books you use different fonts I wanted those page turn moments Um, so it started off in an exercise book and somehow (laughs) getting a three book deal for a you know a novel was Absolutely amazing, but also terrifying because I've never written
0: anything more than a picture book, I and mean, it was like, how am I going to do it? I have no idea. Well, instinctively you must because we're nineteen books in. I know. And I suppose what I'm interested to know is, I mean, Tom's remained the same age for ten years. Yeah. Lucky Tom, and you've been carrying him around with you. For ten years, I mean, do you find yourself wandering along and being in different situations and wondering how Tom would react?
1: I think well, Tom is very much based on what I was like as a kid, which was very enthusiastic about things and a bit messy, a bit chaotic. Things go wrong. I put things in the book that I used to as a kid. You know, I use things that I remember from my kids and their friends when you go into schools and now I'm always kind of on the list and, and collecting ideas you know if I see something visually or I see an idea in a magazine or a newspaper or online if I see something I think oh that's the kind of thing that Tom would really like or that that would be great to be able to turn into a make or something to put in the books
0: so tell us a little bit then about the latest book Random Acts of Fun what's happening with Tom in this latest book
1: Well, unusually for Tom, he's never really been in any accidents or anything. So I thought, what would happen if he had broken his ankle or had a fracture? When I'm doing book signings, the amount of kids that turn up at the book signings and you look up and they've got their arms in (laughs) plaster. So I just imagined that, okay, if Tom's nothing too serious, but he does actually mean he's off school and what's he going to do? How is he going to entertain himself? And there's also a thread about donuts as well. He's, suddenly heard of a caramel donut. One of my very first jobs, Saturday jobs, was working in a bakery. Um, And I used to get to jam the donuts (laughs) as part of my job. All the kids uh, have had a caramel donut, and Tom's the only one who hasn't. He gets so close. Every time he thinks he's going to get the opportunity to have one of these caramel donuts, something happens. And it also has given me the chance as well to, Tom does a bit of painting in here. He's also finding out more about what's going on in his street. He's spending a lot of time looking out of his window, you know, watching his neighbour doing some driving lessons.
0: (laughs) Always good for a laugh. I
1: remember that when I was a kid as well. If ever you did have a chance where you were off school, I always thought it was quite interesting what went on during the day in the Mm -hmm. street because normally obviously you'd be at school and there were things that went on in the house and around the street and everything that you wouldn't normally see.
0: I'd like to have a look, actually, at some of the, the pages of the latest book. Give us a chance oh, yes, to let's. talk about, you know, how varied it is. Um, on page 19, we're looking at the crazy, the, I think it's the, the Jolly Fruit Bunch. It's the sort of story within a story told in comic book format. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this. Well, the Jolly Fruit Bunch is one of the, it's kind of like when I was a
1: kid, I used to love watching the Banana Splits, which is a TV programme which had uh, animation and uh, lots of music and um, these characters that were from America. Um, so I thought it would be fun to have Tom really keen on watching some kind of regular program. So we called it the jolly. I called it the Jolly Fruit Bunch. So it's basically he's watching a TV show and he suddenly realizes that this TV show that he's watching with the fruit is almost mimicking exactly the same
0: thing that happened to him. What's interesting here is that you've sort of handed the storytelling over entirely to pictures and you're helping us to read it. You're telling us which order to go in because you put some little arrows.
1: Yeah. So it's like a a little comic book, um, a story within a story, which I always think is fun to do. I absolutely loved comics when I was younger. And, you know, I still do. And I love the fact that with comics, you can tell stories in a visual way as well and getting the characters over. And sometimes
0: if you don't put any words on, you just have to work a little bit harder as well. I'm glad you said that because people often make the assumption that it's easier to read pictures. I don't think that's true. I don't think it's necessarily easier. I know some very difficult comics. There's And also there's lots of other subtle things as well. And I know that the
1: kids with the books, my books particularly, they they read them more than once. And I love the idea that that they'll read it once and then they'll go back over it and maybe look at other things in slightly more detail and spot things that they hadn't seen before.
0: And I'm just looking here at the different lines that show us what's happening. Like there's a kind of squirrely looped line. I'm looking at the banana on the floor yeah. and this kind of looped line and we know what that means we know that it means he's a little bit sort of dazed he's just had an accident so he's fallen over
1: <clears throat> if i actually thinking about it i should have had the bananas slipping on the banana skin <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's have a look at another page actually yeah. we're going to have a look at page 30 which is a poem about donuts so oh, we've oh, had yes. a good conversation about donuts already it was going to be carrots that's crossed out carrots yes i've got
1: carrots appearing regularly throughout the books so it's supposed to be the counteracting of donuts <laughs> so yes he starts to write off a poem about carrots and then ends up writing it about donuts do you want me to read it then shall i read the poem
0: yes that'd be great so a poem
1: about donuts by tom gates who likes donuts to the donut, i am devoted full of jam and sugar coated eat them slowly don't be hasty Soft and fluffy, nice and tasty. If you don't like delicious donuts, you're a donut. The
0: end. <laughs> There's a couple of things I really wanted to pick up here. One is, you know, to adults who are sometimes concerned about books that look like yours, <laughs> they think it's going to be easy reading and they think it's it's cheating. You know, like the comic, it's cheating, it's not the real thing. But actually, in these stories, children encounter so many different kinds of writing. There's poetry or verse. You've got stories within stories. There's so much in here. It's really rich. Well, honestly, Nikki, I'm so
1: glad that you said that, because that's something that I really, you know, that, that I really try hard to do is to, you know, I'll sneak in like the little poems, the lyrics, um, you know, comic books, different stories, you know, all the different types of things that I used to enjoy. And there's about 19, nearly sometimes 19, 20,000 words in each of the books. You know, it's quite a lot. And I think the thing about it is the fact that they read it and they're taking in all that information, not just from the writing and the stories, but also visually as well. Um, And it all helps to create an atmosphere, to set the scene, to tell the story. Um, And they're they're doing it really quickly. And they're getting lots of all that information very quickly. And that's one of the things that I try and do Mm. as a kid. And even as an adult, you know, has a very kind of low threshold. (laughs) You know, if if I pick up a book when I was a kid, particularly, I had to kind of know something about it. I had to have something that grabs my attention really quickly. And if it didn't, I'd really struggle to get through it. And I think that's, I always try and do that when I'm writing the books is, you know, get, get to the story as quickly as possible. So mm. it's just a way of being able to keep children, keep their attention. And it's, and it's for me as well, you know, I want to try and keep, my attention when I'm writing the books and I'm thinking about new and different
0: ways of um, of extra things that I can put in all the Mm. time and I would say to anybody that hasn't given them the time and really had a look every page is a surprise and that's what I really love about them it's not a formula you know you really do feel that you're being delighted and surprised well, I- uh, this one here has got what we call a rebus in it you read it out full of jam but actually you've got the jam jar there standing in for the word on its own
1: we really try hard to to do that and to make every page sort of surprising so you've got those page turning moments as well it's you know it's definitely something that I wanted to do I And mean, when I first started the, doing the books you know, middle grade books didn't have very many illustrations in them about 10 years ago. You know, and I've been told by heads of other publishers that actually the fact that I've put so many illustrations in um, meant that they were able to spend more money on illustrators you know? <laughs> because it was they were doing well so like oh, okay we better put some more illustrations and now you literally cannot pick up a middle grade book mm. that isn't laid out in a very similar way that doesn't have lots of different fonts and you know all that sort of stuff and you know it used to have these amazing picture books which we still have and then you'd have you know these incredible books for older children it was all, when I started it was the sort of Harry Potter and the very thick books but the books in the middle They didn't have that many drawings. And I always thought it was a real shame because you have these amazing picture books. And then it's suddenly like, okay, you have to leave that behind now and read what they call like proper text, you know, like serious. And I love books, even as an adult, you know, I love books that have got pictures or photographs or help you
0: because they just give you that extra bit of information so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I'm very happy that lots of books have got drawings in now. Just while we're talking about photographs I think on page 122 it's called Fun with Foil.
1: Fun with Foil, oh yes here we go.
0: And that's photographic because it looks as though you've been having some fun with some aluminium foil here.
1: I do that quite a lot yeah I'm always thinking about different things that I can add in any time that I had actually even like a caramel wafer or a biscuit that had foil on it, I quite often used to make little things from it, like make cups. So I thought it would be fun to actually have a whole page where you've got fun with foil.
0: Mm. I used to love separating, you know, in, in something like a quality street. Yes. You separate the foil from the cell- coloured cellophanes. I used to make something that was a, like a little wine gobbler. I think my grandmother showed me how to make it. What, do you mean like this, Nikki? <laughs> Exactly like that. Liz <laughs> is holding up a goblet. <laughs>
1: yes, this is made out of a um Cadbury's cream egg wrapper. And I think my mum used to do that as well. So I used to make them. And they'd be great. You know, if I had a little doll's house or something, I'd make miniature cups and saucers and things like that. So you see, this is exactly the conversation that we were having about. There are some things that you do in childhood that you've passed, you don't stop doing,
0: you pass them down. <laughs> I'm mm. sure so i've shown my kids how to make them and on this page here we've got foil monsters foil bugs a foil octopus and a foil elephant and it would just be giving me the idea even though there's no instructions how to make these i know that i'd be wanting to go and pick up some foil and start fiddling and molding it into well, all luckily sorts of things you, at the back of the book they are the instructions
1: to make that very foil cup that we've <gasps> about. so there, you go. Ah, there we go <laughs> so yes although for me being a kid like I said to you I was okay at drawing and all right at writing and making stories up but it being creative was all about doing all those things so I, I love the fact that if I wrote a story or wrote a poem in school particularly you know I'd want to do a drawing with it and it always felt like I'd that the drawings were never given quite as much um, (laughs) accolade as the writing. Like the writing was the serious, the important things, and the drawings were just like a little bit of fluff on the side. But I always felt like they were just as important.
0: Mm. You know, when I
1: think about the books that I love, I don't think about Roald Dahl books and think that Quentin Blake's illustrations are just extra added on. They're so important to the Mm. storytelling. And you Mm. see the two things together, they're just as important. I can't think about... Miss Trunchbull or something without thinking about his absolutely brilliant illustration so for me they were always that side of it was always as important and that's one of the things that was really good in the books that I'm making is that I want to show children how even if you don't think that you're great at drawing or creating things actually the stories and the things that you have the experiences that they're going through, you know, with their friends or their families or their pets, you know, they can write a little story about it. They can do a little drawing. They can make up a poem. You know, there's lots of different ways to be creative mm. and tell mm. stories and that's all mm. part of
0: it. It's an interesting thing. Just listening to you reminded me how at school you were not allowed to do the drawing until you'd finished the writing. Yeah. Well, actually sometimes doing the drawing first can help you with the writing. <laughs> that's so true. You know, if you think about how,
1: Filmmakers, you know how people. There's somebody like Steven Spielberg. You know they'll always start with this incredible storyboard of pictures. You know that's how they'll map out the story. You know how's it going to look, what angles. I mean, you'll have a script, but it, they'll be thinking about what it's going to look like visually as well. Mm-hmm. You know anything. If you're if you've got a poster, you know the the poster is about giving you informa- um, information. The the font that you use on the poster, the pictures, how you lay it out. It's all part of helping you pass on that information. And you know obviously some. There are some writers that are absolutely amazing at brilliant at creating those pictures in your head without having to have actual drawings. But the really good illustrators and the really good people will add something extra. So mm-hmm. you can still have that amazing writing. But then the stories or the picture, you know, the pictures that you'll have that go with it will maybe give you something else that isn't in the, the mm-hmm. text. And that's what's what I find really exciting about
0: mm-hmm. that. Just to say that I now think I might adding some eyes to my foil characters because I've just seen that you've created (laughs) some eyes on yours so maybe maybe this evening after we've had our evening meal instead of uh, putting the foil straight into the recycling I might have a go at some rather sticky modeling
1: (laughs) yeah I used to share a studio with about there was about 14 other sort of creative people in the studio and at lunchtime we'd all sort of get up you know sit down and have lunch together and a chat if I had sandwiches with a foil we'd all find ourselves like making little things of foil. And then it became a thing where people would challenge me to like make a horse or make a cowboy or, you know, anything. And I was spending so much time like making these tiny little foil things. I just had to stop in the end.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you found an outlet for them. Exactly. We're going, we're going to page 189. Perhaps it's a similar thing because it's, it's, it's about creativity. It's called paint fun. Obviously, Tom has to find things to do while As you said, he's laid up after his accident. Yeah. So what I was looking at here was, uh, again, not only the range of um, different kinds of writing, but also visual style, because you've got your drawings of Tom, but you've got Tom's artwork in here too. And this looks as though it's been created very differently, quite loose. Is ink work? I don't know.
1: Um, Yeah, splodges, bit of painting, bit of ink. Um, I haven't, Tom hasn't really done very much painting and the drawings and doodles got very, very complicated and very, you know, quite detailed. And some of the drawings that the kids do, particularly when they come and when I meet them at events their illustrations and artwork are absolutely incredible. Um, But I thought it'd be fun for Tom to sort of loosen up a bit and try a bit of painting. And I've done that. I've been doing the Tom Gates TV show, which has got similar things in there, where I've been trying to show kids, you know, how they can use different materials, like sort of bits of oil pastel. I've done some scribbles and then turned them into different monsters and also done a little bit of painting as well. So that was the idea, that Tom would have a go at doing some painting.
0: It struck me, actually, that, you know, the painting, the music, his world doesn't seem to have that much technology in it. There is TB, uh, but they're always finding things to do. Yeah, I mean, it was one
1: of the things that I sort of made a conscious decision. I say sort of because, you know, at the beginning I was just, um, I'm just happy to write the stories and what I could imagine, what I could remember, and, you know, bringing things from my childhood. But then I started to think, actually, I don't really want to put technology in because it really dates things very quickly if you draw like a, you know if you draw a computer within a few years it looks <laughs> it looks really old already on phones and and none of the stories really hang on particularly on any of the technology or is important and it's quite nice showing kids like how to do different things as well I make in some of the books I made this um, thing called a paper banger And we used to get them in, I think they'd be given away in free, in magazines sometimes, like these bits of paper that just made an incredibly loud noise. And I started showing kids how to make them. And they were absolutely amazed that you could make such a loud noise from a piece of paper. And I had a collection of books when I was younger, which had a whole section on origami at the back. (laughs) And it's it, something really complicated, but it was always amazing to me that you could make all these incredible things just out of a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that I really like doing. Like you know, you don't need lots of materials. That actually, you know, learning how to make something out of a piece of paper is really mm-hmm. fascinating. I think if I mean if I was younger now, if I was a kid now, I mean I'd be really interested in all the new technology and you know, how to draw on the pad and thing. But I'd also be really interested in how you do it with paper and you know pens and using materials because it's a different sort of experience and and actually knowing how to do both of them I don't think one's any better than the other but I think it's quite you know it's a it's a curiosity isn't it like what can you do with this Mm -hmm. you know you can have iPads and technology the way you can create Um, very similar feeling to paint and ink and charcoal but actually being able to do it being able to use the pens and the paper it just gives you a a very different feeling so I don't think it's one or the other but Mm. just for me particularly Mm. because um, you know there is a lot of other things it's nice just to be able to show children and just you know give them the confidence and show them how it can be very simple and you don't have to be absolutely brilliant at drawing you can create images you can do Mm comics and that kind of thing so that's something that I was very keen to to add in to the Mm. books and I the reaction that I get back from parents and children first of all the fact that they are enjoying reading books that maybe they haven't done before because they're very accessible and then I love the fact that they then get into doing their own bits of creative activity like drawing on a t-shirt or drawing on a shoe and I'm sitting here with my earrings that I've drawn on and it's something that I've done in my own career as well. You know, I've taken designs and put them on things mm-hmm. um, and it, it's it's just Tom's world much mm-hmm. bigger. So it gives me, a, selfishly, <laughs> it gives me a huge <laughs> amount of pleasure feeling that, you know, I'm giving that that confidence to children that maybe they might not have had a go or picked up mm-hmm. a pen or made something with foil you know mm-hmm. it doesn't mean to say that they can't use all the other technology but it just means it's just giving them something else that's mm-hmm. um, really accessible as well
0: I just want to pick up on one last thing and that and you've just kind of led us there really by talking about the accessibility of the text I think in our discussion we've really shown how rich these books are you know how varied the text how varied the image And yet they are incredibly accessible. And I know from personal experience that many children who perhaps don't see themselves as readers have discovered that they are readers through these books. And yet they're long, 20,000 words, you said so. (laughs) So do you think about the accessibility of the the stories? Um, I mean, you've got to have something that's engaging.
1: Definitely. And, you know, because there is a lot going on on every page, you know, the, the process of actually um, writing them out, drawing them, I, I do them all by hand. Um, and then we send send them off to the designer and the designer flows the text in following what I've done. And then they come back and I'm, my editor, she'll look over it and check that everything reads well. And we're, you know, between the, the whole team at Scholastic, we're, we work really hard to make sure that your eye travels through the book, that nothing, you know, we will make things, drawings bigger or smaller and make whole sentences so that your eye's not jumping around. And I think it's because I'm very sort of, maybe because of, I am dyslexic as well, that actually making sure that your eye can travel over the page and take in the information is something that I work really hard at. You know, maybe we don't, succeed all the time but I do think it's one of the reasons why the kids can absorb the information quite quickly because we do spend so much time doing that and that makes it interesting as well so they Mm. they kind of don't realize how much they're taking in by reading the books and I think you know I know parents worry about I mean I've actually I've actually spoken to a teacher before (laughs) the teacher told me how much all the children loved reading my books and her school and then she said, it takes us ages to wean them off your books. <laughs> also, like quotations, like real books. They have to do exams where they have to just read text. So we have to get them not looking at your books. And I just thought, and I mean it's for some kids, but I just thought the way to suck the joy out of reading and to mm. make kids not enjoy it is to tell them that their choice of books is rubbish or not not good, <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, we know you really like these books, but they're not really that important. You've got to get onto the serious, important stuff. So it does really annoy me.
0: <laughs> Before we disappear completely, I wanted to ask you about Shoe Wars because Shoe Wars was out in hardback last year. That's right, yep. isn't it? Yep. Uh, are there going to be more Shoe Wars stories? Well, it came out in paperback this year as well. I really, I mean, that was that's like
1: my difficult second album. <laughs> Um, I would love to write something else. I mean, whether it's a Shoe Wars, I I did leave a a slight kind of cliffhanger at the end where we discover that Wendy Wedge, who's the character baddie, has got a terrible twin brother called Wilberforce who's enjoying watching his sister's demise. So that was on the last page. That was a bit of a cliffhanger. I mean, I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to write something else. I've definitely got other standalone stories. Mm. It's finding the time it did take me a while to get into that and to creating the different characters and doing the draw. I've done so much sort of drawing in Tom's style and I suddenly realized that, you know, this was a different world. So I had to, every every page, every character was different. And I was thinking, what, what do they look like? Where do they live? <laughs> and thinking about all the things for the, the different shoes as well. But yes, the very long winded answer to your question, Nikki, is this I would love to.
0: <laughs> we will see then. And Liz, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. I can't believe I've waited 10 years to talk to you about Tom Gates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't believe it's been 10 years now that I've been doing them. It seems to have gone in a flash. Yeah. Thank you so much, Liz. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Nikki. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.